Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where uh, where are we right now? We're in the old Olala Cemetery in Olala, Washington. It's an abandoned cemetery up on a hill. It's totally unmarked from the road. You just have to like, cross a rope and then a stream, climb a hill, and you're up at the top, and it's very quiet. No one's here. These are some old graves. Yeah. Yeah, they're, the history is that there's a lot of people here who are who were buried. Um, they were victims of this doctor, Dr. Linda Hazard, uh, who had a uh, clinic where she would f- have people fast, and um, they keep fasting and eventually starve to death. So a lot of her victims are here, buried here. Um she was eventually um, tried and found guilty of killing these people. We walked by some stakes over there. Yes. Right? That you said there were maybe... Yeah, the, the, the rumor is that there's these uh, rebar stakes in the ground that are painted orange. There's no headstone there anymore. And the rumor is those are the victims. I haven't been able to figure that out quite yet, if that's yeah. true or not. But, yeah. yeah. I'm just moved over to this Kitsap Peninsula and I'm and trying to dig in to see, you know, what are the hidden spots. And there's quite a bit of, uh, there's quite a few abandoned cemeteries over here. So I've been digging through those. And Yeah. What, what, what draws you? <laughs> okay, so I've known you for a long time right. now. Like, what draws you to the weird stuff like this? I don't know. I think, uh, oh man. I mean, you, you moved out of Seattle... Right. To find a place that's weirder. <laughs> I think so. I, I, I think I liked the, uh, like a, the brand new slate and being able to just dive in. And I feel like a lot hasn't changed yet here. So there's so much to just dig into um, and explore over here. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm compelled to learn about that. I'm not not just cemeteries I'm digging into but that's one component I think is hanging out in cemeteries now Um, how does a place like this make you feel um, I think it makes me think about uh, the layers of um, history that have been in this area you know like I, I came to Seattle thinking about grunge and like wanted to be in music and not really knowing what happened 
in this region, you know? And this makes me realize there's been so many layers of things going on. And, like, this was, like, a bustling area of the Puget Sound. It's dead. There's nothing nothing happening here anymore. And it's interesting to know what changed and why, you know, how things are changing. Because Seattle's changing, too. Like, I had to leave because it's changing so much. And it makes me think about how my boring town that I grew up in, you know, I started doing this map for Seattle and, like, plotting all the weird places in Seattle. And I didn't even think, like... I've always thought my town was boring, and then I started thinking about, oh, we had, like, um, like a gravity hill in our town, and we had this place called the Gates of Hell, where there was supposedly a cult that would hang out there at night, and I remember driving by, like, holding the, the, the handrail in the car, being, like, terrified, thinking I could see, like, people with torches out there, you know, like, my town had weird stuff, you know, like, it, it exists everywhere, um, and you can dive into it. And there's all this other stuff in my my small town that I didn't appreciate, you know. So now I'm like, this. I feel like you should dive in where you're at and, like, learn about what's going on and what historically has gone on. It's a really fun way to connect, you know, with not feel so bad about where you live. <laughs> I don't know why I brought you to a cemetery. I'll tell you one thing that's funny was I brought my kids here and one of the kids found money on one of the gravestones and he took it and then later we were driving and he threw up spontaneously in the snow. We had to like pull over and he threw up into the snow. So don't take money off a gravestone. I think it's pretty bad luck. I'm Jim Perry. This is Euphemed, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time, we map out the strange with liminal cartographer Garrett Kelly. Next, on Euphemed. Liminality is the in-between. A space in which, unmapped, becomes a place of obsession and lore. A memory of one small crack on a sphere, its own surface, refusing to be made a plane without distortion. Once flat, merely a projection of the unseen, a place somewhere in between. Some say windows, mirrors, hotels, or liminal spaces, these transient locales, portals full of potential. Sun-kissed by the unknown, ripe for existential pondering. But to think of these things is but one engagement of liminality to feel and live in this space. Another. I'm at a liminal space with Garrett Kelly. Listed on the digital map database he co-created with friend Jeremy Puma called Liminal Earth. The old Alala Cemetery. Entrenched in old growth and gravestones, bravely hanging onto the moist cliffside like some loose, rotten teeth. A liminal space, where the veil appears thin and the unreal becomes manifest. It's where Garrett finds himself moving, hurtling toward the unknown, yet never alone. The liminal, it turns out, is a state shared with friends. 
yeah, when I first moved to Seattle, I, uh, I was still like kind of freaked out, um, about aliens and stuff like that. Growing up, I was kind of had weird old fears of all that stuff. And I, that's how I met, um, Jeremy and Tim is they had both had blogs where they were talking about that stuff in the early days of blogging. And Jeremy was talking about like Gnosticism and other weird fringe topics. So yeah, they were kind of like a, an online community that I kind of gravitated to, um, about this stuff. And it was funny. I, for a long time, we talked like two years on the online and then Jeremy wanted to meet up cause he saw that I lived in Seattle and I was like, yeah, sure. And then we, we ended up being neighbors. We were lived across the street and we'd only like dorked out online and just talking that way. And I was like, what? <laughs> now that we have this map, we've been going out and doing, uh, you know, quote unquote investigations and exploring together. So. Yeah, well, Liminal Earth is a map where people can put their strange and unexpected experiences. Um, you know, we could, we'll take their story and we'll map it on a, like a Google map, essentially. And it doesn't have to necessarily be like a UFO or a Bigfoot or a ghost experience, although we accept that. Um, anything unusual or just strange that someone may encounter they should put on there like uh the classic example is like a dog walking down the street wearing shoes well when we first started i was reading the lord of the rings to my six-year-old son and so there's like all the maps at the beginning to show all the areas that you know the fellowship goes goes to and so that was kind of in my mind and and we're like, what if we started putting these weird things that happened to us on a map? And so we started doing that. And it was we were almost trying to think of Seattle as like Lord of the Rings or something. Like this area where Amazon is destroying everything is kind of like Mordor, you know? Like this is the, you know, the Hellmouth or whatever. So we were like, let's rethink what Seattle is in our own mythological way. But like use real things that are happening to us that are strange. And I think... You know, like why we made the map is a little bit about me not wanting to let go of what Seattle felt like to me when I first got there and like the kind of magic of moving to Seattle and all the possibility and like all the weird things you, you uncover. And then was Amazon, I felt like was destroying, you know, and like all the rapid changes. So when we made the map, I think it was like we were trying to like, like Jeremy says, remythologize your lands landscape, like kind of take ownership back a little bit of like the stories and, and um, the meaningful places, you know? And when we started like asking other people like, Hey, do you want to put stuff on the map? And we got so much response that we were not expecting. It's a crowdsourced map of amazing experiences from cryptids and UFOs to chance animal encounters that just resonate with the witness in some profound personal way. The map is inclusive of the feelings of uncertainty around the paranormal and mundane in a way that Garrett seems to inhabit in his own life story. The importance of the subtle, the nudge from the in-between. Yeah, so in high school, we, I lived in a really boring 
town and um, in California, kind of by the Delta and the Bay Area. And my friends Jake and Josh, um, super weirdos, they invented this thing where they would uh, flip a coin, or they had a like a crystal ball Xandar that that game that board game. They would ask, you know, which direction should we go? And Xandar would say, you know, tell them which direction using yes or no questions. And they would kind of like um, open themselves up to whatever happens is going to be happening for a reason. And they would call this mystical journeys. And I would go along with them sometimes. And it was so much fun. And something weird would always happen. Like when you would set out with that mindset, you could reinterpret what's happening in front of you in, in ways that felt like meaningful. It was really awesome. You know, it was kind of a way of taking control of the fact there's nothing to do <laughs> in our town. And so we just like using whatever this randomness would take us to. Um, I remember one night we were, uh, we, <laughs> we started off by letting a hamster decide where we were going to go. We made like a, a map on the ground and let it, let it go to where, and that's our first spot. We're going to go there. And we were walking and we looked up and there was like a halo around the moon. And then um, a plane had driven through. So there's like a chemtrail, you know, through it. And so it looked like no moon. And we're like, what does that mean? It's the night of no moon. And so I don't know it was just really fun to like be in that world, you know, and just kind of uh, create like a mythology of what's happening. You know, one of those nights I remember, I don't know how to explain this. There's this one night we were in, before we went on that time travel with the hamster. And we were all hanging out and someone knocked on the door. Someone went up to get it and they saw who was there and they left and closed the door. And then there was another knock and another person went up to the door and then went outside and closed the door. There was another knock and eventually everyone in the room was gone except for me. And then there was a knock and I was like freaked out. Like, what's behind the door? You know? And I was, like, so scared to get up and, like, what, where's everyone going? And I eventually went out, and it was just people waiting outside for me. And they thought it was hilarious. And it was ended up being something stupid, but I was, like, imagining all these other worlds. Like, is there a portal that as soon as you open the door, you fall into it? Or, like, what is, you know, all this other stuff happened in my mind before that. And it's such a silly little thing, but... It made me realize that, like, there's that, like, you know, like, these things that, like, seem so mystical or whatever, but then they can come back to being just something stupid. But it's fun to live in that world of all that magic and mystery for a little bit. Um, And not to say that there isn't really mystical, magical things, it just, it doesn't matter to me, because it's so cool to be able to hack into that weird world for a little bit. That group of friends, we all lived in Bay Area, then we moved to Arcata, then we all moved to Seattle. Like, we couldn't really get away from each other. And there was a group of, like, 10 or 12 of us that, like, almost wanted to stay being, like, what we were doing in high school, you know? (laughs) It's weird. So we had this, like, little group of friends. And, yeah, we, we were doing this even in Seattle. We were walking around. I remember... One time, Jake and I were walking, and he was talking to me. We are just going on one of those random mystical journey walks, and 
he was talking to me and he said, man, I really just need to like start over with my life. I don't know what to do. I need like a rebirth of some kind. And right at that moment, we looked down and there was this dead animal that looked maybe like a cat. And it was laying in the green uh, grass of like a, the sidewalk kind of between where the parking is. And strangely, there was this car with its headlights on shining on the cat like a spotlight but there was no one in the car and there was no one around and it would just felt like like a sign or something like uh and we were just like what is going on we waited there's no one around um but it, we were like what does this mean you know like the there's the whole cat nine lives re, you know restarting and um later in the night jake jumped into the puget sound and the he took all his clothes off and ran and like i think he yelled out like i am uh, something about like i am uh made of light or something (laughs) some weird spiritual moment i don't know So the same time that I um, met, found Jeremy across the street, that's when Jake brought home this letter he found. And Jake is kind of one of those people. He's like a wanderer. He lock, walks around a lot. And he ended up finding this suitcase that's like a chair. It's like an art installation of some kind that's just in a public area. He opened up the suitcase, and inside he found this letter, and it said, you have found my secret note. Thanks for believing in time travel. Please write back, Jared. And he and he brought it home, and I was like, "What the heck? Did you did you write back?" And he's like, "No." And I didn't write back for the longest time, but I've been I was like fascinated. Um, and at the time, I was living at this house. Everyone was seeing ghosts in the house. Um, I hadn't seen anything. I'd actually never seen anything like that. When I was living in that house, though, around this time. I remember I was cooking dinner one night and I felt like someone was looking at me from the side and I looked up real quick, you know, out of the corner of my eye. And for a split second, I saw something and what was really freaky about it, like I ran up the stairs, is that it looked like me. It looked like me looking at myself being kind of confused, like, who's like, why are you here? You know? It freaked me out. I don't know, like five years later, it was the year that Marty McFly was supposedly going into the future. And I was like, we should, we should finally write back to this time traveler. I don't, I think I just asked him like, please, I want to make contact with you. And like, thanks for writing. And, um, you know, and I checked back a lot, but I haven't seen any return messages. So I don't know. I just couldn't believe I had waste, waited so long to actually write back. Um, yeah. I would love to get a return message from that. I don't know. Such a weird... Like, even if that's not a time traveler, who wrote that? Why did they write that? It doesn't matter if it's like even a real time traveler. There's some other story there. And I was like, we should we should have a time travel party where we have time travelers from all timelines come and meet and like have a real party. 
because there was uh, Stephen Hawking said that he had a time travel party where he had the party and then the next day he set out, sent out the invites and no one had come to the party the night before. And he's like, you know, if they're time travelers, they should have known. It doesn't matter when I send the invite. But I was like, well, maybe you're just throwing a crappy party. So that's why we had a we had a party. There was like a wall of um, parallel timelines and Mandela effect stuff, and we had bands play. And there was some couple a couple strange characters who showed up. I remember like these people don't. I'm not gonna like question whether or not they're time travelers, but you know to their face. But in my mind, I'm wondering <laughs> that person. I've never seen them around before. It was kind of cool. And I remember there was a po- point in one of the songs by this. Um, artist do normal she was playing and there was like a s- slow strobe light and i remember jake my friend jake who had been doing all this stuff these mystical journeys for a long time and i hadn't seen him in a while but he came to this party and i remember during the strobe light while that band was playing he was whispering in my ear something and i felt like cooper getting the message from the giant and twin peaks it just felt like a he was talking about facebook memes or something but it felt really important when he was telling me i uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's that thing where like things fluctuating between being mundane and being like mystical and magical, you know, and like they can shift back and forth. It can be just a stump or it could look like a fairy and go back to being a stump, you know, and then it's how you look at it and how you continue to return back to it. And the different um, paths it takes you on, you know, like that note that whoever put that in there ended up being a time travel museum. It ended up being a time travel party. It ended up being on our map that we created, and it's it's continued to make all this new stuff from this one little point. And it doesn't matter if it was a time traveler or not. It's created all these different things from that. Um, I don't need to go out and prove that's a time traveler to have meaning from that. I don't know. That's uh, that's the importance of the liminal space, right? Right. Yeah. Or but that time travel thing. Another thing about it is that you know, seeing myself in that moment in time. Where that that time traveler that is me looking at myself cooking dinner, I sometimes wonder if that's about intense nostalgia, like that group of friends I had, I have, um, and kind of always like returning to our memories of high school and stuff. And it's almost like I'm so obsessed with the past and things not changing that like I actually like, broke through. <laughs> for a moment to that time. And now that I know about that time, I continue to go back to this one moment when I was in that kitchen. Uh, it's like something in my mind. Like it's a, a cal- I would say like a callus. So it's like a, a reference point that I always return to when I think about. And like, I'm creating that moment of me looking back at myself because I, I know about it. <laughs> you know, it's hard to explain. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. You've, you've completed that cycle. Yeah. As to where now, at this point in time, you're on the other side of that, and you're you're the one looking at yourself over in the past making dinner. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's me doing that over... Yeah. 
Like I didn't know what it was when it was happening, but now I'm because I keep thinking about it, that's what's making it. <laughs> it's so weird. It's such a weird thing. That's time travel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally. Sorry. Is it making a buzz? Not me. We're gonna have to map this. <laughs> um. Man, there is the Bremerton hum I'm to- told about. Told you about. <laughs> I'm going around the room and trying to hide the Zoom recorder under things because there's a residual buzz that you can hear right now of course like a cell phone is on but I think it's just Bremerton and why would Bremerton be like this well there's a bunch of there's a shipyard here for the navy there's a bunch of nuclear subs out there in the water and weird dolphins guarding them apparently that's one of the rumors okay I'll stand right here You know, I moved to Bremerton about a year ago because Seattle finally became just too unaffordable. It takes about an hour to get on a ferry from Seattle to Bremerton. It's a little Navy town. It's just a small community, and it's cool to go out and dig around and unearth new things. And when I f- we had just started the map, and Jeremy was like, hey, I'm going to look and see if there's any like weird monsters in Bremerton. And he found one. He found this story... Um, from Strange Magazine, um, number six. It came out in like 1990. It was about a woman named Virginia Staples. She said she went down into her basement here in Bremerton to do the laundry, 1948. And she was hanging some clothing on the, the line. And she felt like something was behind her looking at her. So when she turned around, she saw this creature that was five foot tall and it was orange. It had antenna and lots of little hands and it freaked her out, obviously. So she ran upstairs, she packed her suitcase, she moved to Seattle, never came back. And she didn't really know what she saw. She had all these nightmares about it. And eventually she went to the aquarium in Seattle and she saw a shrimp and she said, that looks like what I saw, only you know, five feet tall. So I've been trying to find out where does this, where did this giant shrimp encounter happen here in Bremerton? Like I, I've been tracking down census records, to see if she really lived here. I found what I think is her daughter. I sent a letter in the mail. Did your mom ever see a giant shrimp? But I got no response to that either. Um, yeah, I've been just like fascinated with this encounter here in, in uh, Bremerton. I got on the, the local paper here in Bremerton. I'm on the cover. Is like, man looks for giant shrimp. So I'm like kind of the shrimp guy in Bremerton. Like people, hey, you're that shrimp guy, aren't you? Which my wife is not super fond of. <laughs> but it's kind of like I feel like I finally found my place, you know? Even in this town, you know, there's there's something incredible. That's an incredible story that happened. Um, there's just hidden secrets, you know? So I'm, I'm just, it's so, so fun to be able to embody that and go out and like ex- be an explorer in your, in your, in, in your town. And I have not just one, I have two shrimp costumes. 
that I like wander around town. <laughs> so it's like it's been great. Like unearthing that, there's all this community that's kind of wrapped around it. Like some people are making shirts and stuff. There's like an art wall up the street here where anyone can paint whatever you want. And someone made a big giant shrimp mural. So I, I'm just thinking about like this town can like make this a part of what Bremerton is, you know, like uh, something to rally around a little bit. And it's like a piece of forgotten history that now can maybe, you know, could there be a shrimp fest here? Could there be like, you know, like it could be like the Mothman to Point Pleasant or whatever, like something that helps the town feel connected in a way. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just like a you scratch something and then like all this new, it just creates this whole world. I don't know, like reimagining where you live and like learning, uncovering the things that maybe are hidden um, around, right around you. Like that's what I'm trying to do is it's like a, it's like a doorway to like uncover things about your, your geographic region in a fun way. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. To check out Garrett's Liminal Earth and submit your own experience, visit liminal.earth. That's L-I-M-I-N-A-L dot earth. Thank you to our sponsors, Spotify and Anchor, for everything you've met, including how you can subscribe to the show. Links to our Patreon and social media, visit euphemet.com. To share or participate in our efforts to raise funds for civil rights organizations, please find the BLM link at euphemet.com. This has been Euphemed. I'm Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up.